Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Glad that you're here and uh, glad that we get to open the Bible together. Believe God's going to use it to speak to us. I wonder if wherever you are, would you just stand up real quick? We're going to give some honor to the Word of God. I want to read one scripture to you. And, uh, and then we're going to dive into this message. One scripture that will set the tone for today as we continue in our series called Blessed. Are you ready? This uh, scripture, very simple. It comes from the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. It's going to be up there on the screen. You can look at it along with me. It says this, And my God shall supply for all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Come on, wherever you are, why, why don't we try reading this together? If I was a little taller, we could do it karaoke style. You could follow the, uh, follow the finger. Here we go. Ready? We're going to read it all nice and loud together here in our Kitsilano location. Are you ready? Here we go. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That was so good. I think we ought to do it one more time. A little bit of an encore. Let's read it all together with some gusto. Here we go. Ready? And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Can someone say amen? Come on, let's pray. Jesus, I pray in the next few moments that you use your word to speak to our hearts, penetrate the, the areas in our heart that would be hard. I pray that we'd be soft today, ready to respond today with uh, our minds alert and awake and ready and our, our hands ready to respond. I pray for uh, clarity in this place and uh, for new ways of thinking. In your name we pray and everybody said amen. Amen. You can grab a seat and uh, get ready. We're excited uh, to be in this series called Blessed. Blessed. Can everyone say blessed? Turn to the person beside you and say, you're so blessed. You sat by me. Come on, turn to the person beside you and say, you're so blessed. You know, the more I read Scripture, the more I become thoroughly convinced that the, the posture of God towards humanity is one of blessing. That His heart and desire for you and I is that we would walk out and live in blessing. And uh, today, as we continue in this series of messages called Blessed, I want to I speak a message, the title of which is going to probably ruffle some feathers. It's probably going to leave some people feeling... Uh, a little bit triggered. And so I know that ahead of time, but but we're going to do it anyway. If you're taking notes, write this down on the top of your page or in the app that you take notes in. This is the title, The End of Prosperity. The End of Prosperity. See, here's why I know that's going to trigger some people. One, firstly, is uh, simply the word prosperity. You know, I've been around some people that get triggered by the word prosperity. They, they started thinking, oh, hold on, I've heard this one before. I was up late one night, and there was an evangelist on TV, and they were talking about prosperity, and then they were doing a fundraiser for their second jet, right? Oh, I've seen this one before. I know you just send $29.95 plus shipping and handling, and you can get like a gold coin that is somehow blessed from some sort of antiquity, and, you know, it's all about prosperity. There's some people who get triggered about this very thing because they think prosperity is uh, is a financial statement only. And, you know, I think it's probably a fair thing to feel a little bit triggered because I believe that prosperity has at times 
been misrepresented. So often it has been uh, claimed and thrown at every sort of thing. And what it leaves people thinking is that unless you are as rich as you think a rich person feels, then you're not prosperous. Let me say it one more time. Unless you are as rich as you think a rich person feels, then you're not prosperous. And so this, this word prosperity can feel isolating, it can feel dividing, and it can certainly feel divisive that uh, those that are prospered somehow are loved more and are a different way by God. And those who don't feel as rich as they assume a rich person feels, feels as though for some reason maybe they're doing it wrong or they lack some faith. If you're here today, maybe, maybe someone has even explained prosperity to you in that blatant of a manner. And if that's the case, I just want to apologize. Though I, I hope I was not that person. But let me be clear. Prosperity, when the Bible speaks of it, is not simply a financial statement, but it is the heart of God towards you. It is God's desire towards you. But I know some people, you see that word prosperity and you just kind of get on edge because you wonder, where's this going to go? And then there's a whole other group of people, some of which may be in the room today, that you you read that word and and you're like, hold up. All the first part of what you just said sounded pretty good to me. I'm down with the private jets and I'm down with all the, you know, God pouring out blessing and finances. And, and so I don't know. I'm not sure if I feel comfortable that if you, you would talk about that coming to some sort of an end. So in both cases, could you bear with me for a few minutes? Let me explain what I mean by this statement. First of all, we need to see from scripture. We already read it, uh, Philippians chapter four and verse 19 that says, my God, will supply for all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I'm really excited that God supplies our needs according to his riches, not according to our effort, to according to his riches, not according to our sincerity, according to his riches, not according to our background or our our intellect or in any sort of thing. God supplies based on who he is, not based on who we are. But you know the Bible goes on and continually talks over and over and over about the desire of God to bless humanity. Let me show you a couple more scriptures. Look at this one in the book of Proverbs. If you're taking notes, write this down. You can also look up on the screen and see this. Proverbs in uh, in chapter 10 and verse 22, it says this, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. Can someone say amen? And it brings wealth without painful toil for it. In other words, the way that God blesses is that he blesses differently than simply earning. That the blessing of God brings wealth that you didn't even have to work for. Now, don't get me wrong. When you work, there is also wage that comes with that, okay? There is still the natural process or principle of things. Like in the Bible, it says, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's just practical. That's just real talk. But but above and beyond that, God also blesses in a way that, that you can't really put a formula to and say, I earned this or deserved this. The blessing of God is based on grace. Can someone say grace? Come on, can we all say grace? Grace literally means gift. God's gift. It means unearned, unmerited, favor, kindness from God shown not according to what we've earned or deserved. Now, now for some of you, you receive, um, you, you're working, you receive a paycheck maybe weekly, others bi-weekly, monthly. I don't know if anyone works on, on, on in a casual labor type of sense where they get paid more frequently than that. But, but in every case, when you get paid for the work you've done and you look at the amount that is 
come into your account or the amount that's written down on a check. I bet you nobody looks at that and goes, wow, my boss was so gracious. They gave me exactly what my wage dictates that they should give me because I make this much per hour and I work this many hours. What grace? No, it's earned. It's deserved. In fact, you look and you make sure you got every penny that you earned and every penny that you you were deserving of, right? And if for some reason you weren't, you go back to them and you say, sorry, there was a discrepancy. My time card says I, I'm worth this much, but the, the check, are you following me? Nobody looks at that and says, wow, wow, what grace my employer had to pay me what I worked for or pay me what I deserved. But here it says this, God's blessing is in a different sort of system. God's blessing is not, I, I worked hard for this and so I'm going to get what I work for. God's blessing is this, it brings wealth that you didn't even have to toil for. Look at this other way it said in Psalm 34.10. It says it this way, this really interesting poetic sentiment or sense. Check this out. It says, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. How good is that? Think of this, lions. Like if a lion wants something, a lion just goes and gets it, right? You imagine like a group of lions, if they're hungry, they're going to find something to eat. But here the poet is saying this, even in a scenario where lions cannot get what they desire or deserve, contrasted by that is those who seek the Lord. They lack no good thing. I like this, no good thing. No, what I, can you just think about a good thing right now? Everyone, wherever you're sitting, think about a good thing. Some of you, maybe you're thinking about the person sitting beside you. You ought to tell them that. It might make a difference. Okay. Think about a good thing. Here's the thing about a good thing. Number one, there are certain things that are just good, objectively. Like oxygen is a good thing. Everyone take a deep breath. Come on. Oh, that's a good thing. Like, like food is a good thing. Shelter, good thing. Coffee, great thing. Rest, rest is a good thing. Health, health is a good thing. Freedom, oh, that's a good, there are some things objectively that are good things. But I wonder if when I asked you to think about a good thing, if you didn't think of something that was subjectively good, perhaps you thought of, of like art that you prefer or music that you prefer, or a flavor, a taste, uh, a type of food that you like. I love this that the Bible goes so far as to say this, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Like, like you can expect and anticipate just simply, objectively good things. Like existence is a good thing. God, who is our creator and our sustainer, he, he's on our side. But above and beyond that, God also, he goes above and beyond and meets us with every good thing. You like no good thing. See, one scripture puts it this way. If you seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness, then he adds all these things into your life. It's amazing. If you chase after good things and, and forget God in the equation, you end up empty-handed. But when you chase after God, he, he sees to it that those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I am thoroughly convinced, more and more every day, thoroughly convinced that the desire and the design of God is that you and I would live in prosperity, that you and I would live blessed lives. If you're taking notes, just write this simple statement down. The question of whether or not God desires to prosper you is not the question. The question is, why does he want to prosper you? 
why. It's not whether or not God wants to prosper you. There you go. It's up on the screen. The fact that God desires to prosper us is not in question, but why he desires to is. Very simply put, I believe this tonight. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. The blessing that God wants to put into your life that's to you is not intended to stop there, but is intended to flow through you. We, if you could, you could put it into pictorial uh, uh, reference, we are intended to be rivers, not reservoirs. That the blessing of God would flow through us. That there would be a current of every good thing that God desires to share with us is to be shared with others. Blessing flowing through us. I, I talk to people sometimes, and, and, and you can always tell someone's been in church a while when they use certain phrases. Phrases like, you've heard that in a sermon before. No one naturally talks that way, right? Like they say this, oh, pastor, I'm just I'm going through a really dry season. <laughs> Who says that? Like, you live in Vancouver. There is no dry seasons here. It's just rain and then downpour. There, you know, there's no dry season. Are we talking about humidity? What are we talking about? But people say, oh, I'm going through a dry season. What they mean, like, spiritually, I just feel like there's not that vitality, not that excitement, not that, that normal, like, vibrance that I'm used to. I think more often than not, when people reference a dry season, what it really is is a stagnant season where God has been pouring out his blessing in our lives, but because we've become reservoirs, not rivers, that blessing is not current. Are you with me? There's no current to the flow of the blessing of God in our lives, and so water that becomes still becomes stagnant. And so we misrepresent it and we misinterpret it as this, like, oh, I'm so dry, I just need God to pour more blessing into my life. And if he were to pour more blessing, then I, w- I would feel it more. When the reality is God has intended to bless us that we might be that very blessing, that there would be a current and a flow of God's blessing to us and then through us. You know, I was thinking about a river. What stops a, a, a river from flowing? It's when there's something that impedes it and, and it puts it like a dam in the flow of that current. And what was flowing and on its way from one point to another gets stopped. And I think, what are some of the things that could stop us from, from being the blessing to those around us? I wonder if selfishness would be one of the biggest dams that that occurs in our life, where we become self-centered and self-absorbed, and pretty much any time you put the word self in front of something, it makes the word worse, doesn't it? Think about almost every word that you hyphenate with self. Man, uh, self-conscious and self-fulfiled and self-absorbed, and and it's like this dam, it actually comes up and over the the banks of the river. You know, when a river becomes dammed, it also, it often brings damage. In our life, when there's like this dam, it can also often bring damage. Have you ever felt the damage of a selfish person? Think about some other things that cause dams. Offense. Oh my goodness. Offense. Everything's going well and then, and then somebody's feelings get hurt. And all of a sudden, the offense that we take on it not only stops the flow of blessing in our life, but can bring damage to the people around us. How about distraction? Man, distraction, it just, it, it, it sneaks up on you. If you knew a distraction was coming, you'd be a lot better at stopping it. But that's the very nature of distraction. You're going along, you're feeling, man, my, my relationship with God is great. My relationship with people is great. Things are going well. Oh, pretty bird. Wow. 
and all of a sudden your eyes are drawn to something maybe good, maybe negative, but but then days become months or years, and you say, how did I get here? What changed? What happened? I was talking to someone earlier this week that, that, that for a series of events, like somehow I've been out of, out of community, out of church for 14 years. How did that happen? Distraction, offense, selfishness, you know, so many different things. Sometimes into that, that dam or into that river is just simple comparison. We're flowing along just great until we see a river that looks more mighty than we are. Wait a second. How come they're so blessed? What's going on over there? And we divert attention. I want us to get a picture of that tonight. We're not intended to be a reservoir. There's a lot of people that think if God would simply bless me a little bit more, if God would, would open up the faucet of blessing into my life a little more, I would reach a point where I'd begin to overflow and, uh, and then I could make a difference in others. The truth is you need to open up the faucet of the way you share. Open up the faucet of the way that you bless others and create a current in your life. Create a current of blessing in your life. God, he's designed and desired that you and I would live in prosperity. But to what end? You see, tonight I want to share with you the end of prosperity, not meaning that prosperity should cease, not meaning that prosperity ought to be dammed up and turned into a reservoir, but saying, what is the goal? Have you ever heard the saying, the, the means like the means to an end? Here's what I'm trying to get to. There is an end to prosperity. There is an end to which prosperity comes into our life, a purpose, an intended goal and design that God has when he des- desires to prosper you and I. And I believe that end is simply this. We're blessed to be a blessing. It's generosity. Generosity is the end of prosperity. Interestingly, generosity is also the beginning of prosperity. Think of that. The kindness of God pouring out grace generously initiates prosperity in our life. To be prospered, it means to be like overwhelmed with riches. Uh, some translations put it in this, or like in the original Hebrew language, to be prospered, it was to be made fat. I love that one. Like just to get plumped up a little bit. Like you're not barely scraping by. Oh, you've got lavished amounts. You like it's luxury more than you could imagine. So we are prospered because of the generosity of God. Then when we function in generosity ourselves, it invites God's blessing and prosperity. In fact, the Bible says this, things like unity command God's blessing. When you walk in, you and I walk together in unity, it's like, "Hello, blessing. Hey, right over here, and it commands the blessing of God. Things like like what we, we talked about a couple weeks ago in Malachi chapter 3, where God says this, if you return the tithe to me, if you return the whole tithe to me, watch what I will do. Put me to the test. It commands my blessing. I'm going to open up the floodgates of heaven and pour blessing into your life. So generosity initiates prosperity. Then when we respond in generosity, it creates a current and a flow of blessing into our life. To what end? that we might continue to be generous. You see, I believe God's design for you and I is not just that we would be recipients of what he's given, but that we would understand his nature, that we'd understand what he's like and begin to reflect what he's like. Now, I think there's, there's very few things that would be more godly or more, more similar to the nature we see God expressing continually than to be generous. Think of this, the Bible says in John 1 that that Jesus came from the Father so full of grace and truth that out of the fullness of his grace or the fullness of his giftedness or the fullness of the way he was blessed by the Father, we all receive blessing. 
after blessing, after blessing, after blessing, after blessing. In, in the Greek language, it's, it's essentially like that dot, dot, dot. Blessing, after blessing, or in math when you say repeater, you know, it's just going to keep going. After blessing, after, out of the fullness of his blessing, you and I are prospered. You and I are, are, are on the prosperous receiving end of the blessing of God. So let me show you three passages of Scripture to, tonight, and I want to highlight some things that stand out to me. Maybe in your Bible or on your, your app that you use for the Bible, you already have some highlighting in these passages of Scripture. But if you don't, my hope is that you will before you leave tonight. I want to thro- show you three critical passages of Scripture regarding generosity. First of all, uh, number one, generosity is commended commended. Can someone say commended? That means praised. That, mean, that means highlighted. Uh, God highlights generosity. He puts, a, you know, puts some, some uh, arrows to it and says, this is what I'm looking for. This is what draws my attention. This is what gets me excited. Generosity is commended. Check it out, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul is talking to the, the church in Corinth, and he says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. So he's talking to a church in one region saying, I just want to brag on and commend what God is doing over here in Macedonia. Verse 2, In the midst of their very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Here I want you to see this interesting formula. Overwhelming or overflowing joy plus extreme poverty equals rich generosity. Come on, I I don't usually think that those, like poverty, have you ever felt like you're in a season where you're having to do without? Have you ever felt like you're in a season like poverty is the opposite of prosperity? It feels like you're really lean. Things are really skinny. There's, There's nothing fat and luxurious about poverty. But here, because of the overflowing joy that they had, joy plus poverty equals generosity. I I would venture to say you could put anything in there. Overflowing joy plus anything equals generosity. Generosity is the overflow of joy. Paul says, you got to check out what's happening over here in Macedonia. God is doing something crazy They're so poor, but so joyful that generosity is something you you just would never be able to compare to. Look at this, for I testify, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. Here, if I could like kind of read into Paul's way of thinking, he's hanging out in Macedonia. He's telling them about what God's doing around the world. And then they're like, dude, we need to get in on this. Can we be a part of this? Can we contribute to this? Come on, count me in. And, and Paul's thinking to himself, like, guys, seriously, like I see some, some signs of poverty here. Don't worry about it. You know, I was talking to someone earlier this week that said, I just really want to be a blessing to the church. I just, I, don't, I want to give more so I can be more of a blessing to the church. And I stopped him in his tracks. I said, oh, you're already a blessing to the church. You being here is a blessing to the church. If you never, never give a dollar, you're still a blessing to the church. 
Your, your, your presence is a, is a blessing. Giving is not about being a blessing to the church. Giving is about you understanding the grace that God has towards you. The kind is about that joy welling up inside of you. That's why the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Those who give out of an overflow of joy, not feel like, oh, man, I just wish I was significant. I wish I mattered. Maybe if I could give more, I'd matter more. Man, you are the greatest. You're the best. You're like, you are favored of God. So here's this group of people that are like, can we contribute? Paul's like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. And in his mind, he set an expectation of what they would be able to give. And then he says this, they exceeded our expectations. They gave, to the, they gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. Can I just say this? That if your heart begins to lean into the things of God, it will end up being leaning into the, the, the things of people. Because the heart of God is all for people. See, when you give yourself to a call to God, you give yourself to taking after the nature of God, you find yourself loving people. I, I got a little bit of a problem with people. Oh, Jesus, I love. It's just church. Don't really care for church because of all the people that are there. But I love Jesus. Me and God are on a, you know, we're on great terms. I love him. He's the big guy, the man upstairs, whatever other superlative you want to call him. I just don't like people. The truth is this. When you give yourself to the, the heart of God, then by his will, you give yourself to the cause of people. See, the, the heart of God will always be for people. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a, a beginning, to bring also the completion of this act of grace on your part. And it says this, since you excel in everything, Paul's now commending the Corinthians. He's like, you guys are awesome. You, you excel in faith and speech and knowledge. You have earnestness and in love uh, that you've kindled up on the inside of you. So see to it also that you excel in the grace of giving. Do you know? remember what the word grace means? It means gift. He's like, I want you to be gifted at giving. Gifted at gifts. Amazing. Do you know every gift you'll ever receive from God is intended to be given away? Every gift that God will ever give you is to be shared. Like if your gift is wisdom, and you don't share it, then you turn into the know-it-all who says, I told you so. If you've been gifted with wisdom, that gift is not activated, understood, or appreciated until it's shared with those who are in need of your wisdom. If you have a gift of faith and you sit back saying, wow, I know and I believe wholeheartedly things could be different, God could make things different, and you don't step up and begin to share that faith with the people around you, You've not yet understood or received the gift in your own life. If your gift is healing, you go, I believe it in the Bible. I see it from beginning to end. God heals. He's called me to heal, and I know he could heal, and you don't actually step out and begin to function in that gift, then you've not yet understood that gift. I'd go so far as to say this. Jesus put it this way. He said, if you've been given forgiveness and you can't share forgiveness, then you don't really understand forgiveness. Like you haven't really received the freedom that comes in forgiveness yet until you understand it so much that you give it away. Because if you think you're forgiven, but you can't forgive your brother or your sister, then you're, you're not really forgiven yet. You didn't really, you didn't really catch it. So here Paul is saying this. I want, I want to encourage you guys. Let's grow in the grace of giving. Let's get better 
at giving away what God has blessed us with. He says this, I'm not commanding you. I just want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it. This is a little awkward, isn't it? Comparing it to the earnestness of others. Paul, Paul he's just like, he's like, hey, I'm your pastor. I'm just going to talk straight with you. I'm not commanding you. I, I, I'm, I'm not like going to throw out dollar signs and say, here's what you need to give. I just want you to know that I was just with a group of people who, who are classified as impoverished, but their joy made such a difference that they were generous. So I just want to challenge you and commanding you as well the same type of action. For you know the grace of the Lord your uh, Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. And here's my judgment about this. The best of the matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do so may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Come on, someone's got to get excited right here. It says this, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you do not have. I get so excited about this right here. See, generosity, there's, there's no bar set that is numeric. Okay, if you can give X dollars or X time or X talent, it has to reach a certain standard and then it'll actually make a difference. No, it's according to what you have, not what you don't have. You know, I think sometimes people never give because they feel what they have to give is not significant enough. But what you have to give is all God is looking for. What you have to give and to share is all God's looking for. Remember years ago, I was in, in Mexico with a group of friends and we were building a house for a, a family in need. We were building a, a, a house and I don't know we were that we were the greatest builders and yet we were there contributing a little bit of time and and uh, while we were there, we needed to prepare to, to eat. And so we, we did as you do when you're in Mexico. We went to Walmart to buy some of the finest local ingredients. And uh, we went in, we, we, we bought some, some bread and some uh, different condiments to make simple sandwiches. We got some snack food, some bottled water. And we were checking out. And as we were checking out, I noticed that at every register, every, every cash out, there was uh, a person wearing a Walmart vest. You ever been in a Walmart? Same here as it is in Mexico. You know, same name tag you see. And, and then at every checkout, there was also a young man or, or woman, mostly you know, 14, 15-year-old kids who were, were packing groceries into bags. But they weren't wearing vests and they weren't wearing name tags. So I introduced to, to my, myself to the young guy who was packing our bag. I said, hey, what's your name? Where's your name tag? He said, my name's Jose. So where's your name tag? And the lady behind the cash register said, no, no, he doesn't work here. He doesn't work here. I said, well, why, why is he doing this work then? She said, well, well, kids like this are hoping that you might give them some money. <clears throat> and so I had an idea. I thought, man, what if we could, could take what we have and just bless Jose? Now, the truth is, Jose probably dreamt of a college education. He probably at some point or another ha- had aspirations and dreams to travel, maybe, maybe to have a house of his own. Maybe to have, have enough uh, security going forward to establish a family without any sort of stress. But I turned to the group of friends that I was with. I said, hey, guys, what do we have right now that we could bless Jose with? And we all began to reach into our pockets and reach into our bags. And, and we pulled together some change, pulled together some loose dollar, dollar bills. And, and I said, hey, let's just let, let's really bless Jose. I, I asked the, the person we were with, I said, what would guys like this usually get? 
say I'll usually maybe maybe a dollar a day for you know a couple couple of coins here and there and local people would rarely give them coins but sometimes visitors would give some and so I said guys let's just let's go crazy let's bless Jose and we're all digging into our pockets and in the group of us I think we compiled 42 or 43 dollars that's what we had between us and so we I said Jose can I get just one more bag and so he gave me an empty bag and we all just put our change into this bag put a couple loose dollar bills in the bag and tied up the top of the bag and when he was done packing our buns and packing our food into the bag he said here you go and I said hey I'll make you a trade here's a bag for you and I gave him a bag full of money and he he just kind of looked stoic didn't really respond didn't really look up said gracias and then we began to walk out, and as we were walking out, I, I looked backwards, you know, just over my shoulder for a moment. Because the truth is, generosity is not about what I get out of it. Generosity is not that I'm like, like, well, Jose, open it up. Tell me what you think. Come on. Somebody, like, like the person who gives you a gift at the most awkward time and then says, open it. Open it. What do you think? Are you going to like it? If you like it so much, can I take the gift receipt back? You know, like, do you like it? No, no, no. I, it's not about that. So, but we're walking and I just looked over my shoulder and I looked and there was Jose. He was holding the bag of money, his upper body still totally like staying professional, but from his waist down, he was just <laughs> wiggling around, dancing around like this and, and so excited. And then he turned to his friend. He went running across the room with this bag of money and he and his friend embraced one another and they started doing like a happy dance together. You know, Jose, he lost all composure there. And I don't know what that 42 or $43 did in Jose's life, but I walked out more blessed than he did. We walked out, we were laughing, full of joy, not laughing at him, but, but just feeling that overflow of joy. We're like, man, I would have wasted my $4.50 that I contributed to that $40. Like, I, I probably would have bought a couple of a bottles of Coke and then that would be gone. Like maybe we would have brought some Pringles, popped the lid, and, and there they go. And here we, we contributed together, and we did something bigger because we were in it together. And you know what? I never thought, oh, man, I just feel so bad. Like that's not even going to go anywhere towards his college education. That's going to make no difference in his security going forward and his ability to raise a family. He won't be able to build his own house with that. You know Why? Because we were only responsible for what we had, not what we didn't have. Like generosity in that moment was about what we could contribute, not what we couldn't contribute. I think there's way too many people, young people especially, they never give because they feel what they have to give wouldn't make a difference anyway. Nothing could be farther from the truth. It'll make a difference in your life. If you can, if you can open up your hand and stop being controlled by, by money, stop being controlled by, by that thing that would damn up the blessing of God in your life, man, it would set you free. Generosity is commanded. Number two, if you're taking notes, generosity is also commanded. Not only is generosity commended, but it's also commanded. Let me show you this, 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is kind of a Bible study tonight, to be honest. I just want to show you some things that stand out to me as I read these passages. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul is talking to Timothy and he says this in verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Here's another one of those formulas. A heart after God and being content with what you have, you've just positioned yourself for gain. You've put yourself in a great position for great gain. It says this, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out with us. 
But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. For those who want to get rich, fall into temptation. They get trapped into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people who have been eager for money have wandered from their faith. They've pierced themselves with many griefs. Now down to verse 17. Check this out. Command those. Can someone say command? See, command means to praise, to draw attention to. Command, I think we know what command means. This is an instruction, not a suggestion. It says this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but instead to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, And to be generous and willing to share. In this way, you'll lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven as a firm foundation for the coming age that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, as I read this, some of us got a little excited. We're like, yeah, go tell those rich folks. Command those who are rich. Yeah, go find some of them one percenters out there. Find some of those Vancouver homeowners and tell them. Command those who are rich in this present world. Do you know, if you, if, if on the, the planet today, if you make $3,000 Canadian per month, you are in the top 3.9% of the wealthiest people on the planet. If you make $3,000 a month, you are in the top 3.9%. We are the rich people on the planet today. You say, well, I don't quite make 3,000. You're still in the top 5 or 6% on the planet. And some in the room would make a lot more than 3,000 a month. You're, you're getting real close to that one percenter. Now with that context in mind, let me read it again. Command those who are rich in this present world. You say, well, I'm not rich compared to others. No, 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 no. You actually are incredibly rich compared to virtually every human on the planet today. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant and not to put their hope in wealth. If I'm going to obey Scripture today as as the pastor of this church, I'm commanding you and I, let's not be arrogant. Let's not put our hope in in wealth as if if we had more, we'd feel better. If we only acquired more, we'd be in a better place. Wealth is uncertain, but instead we need to put our hope in God. Check this out. He richly provides everything for our enjoyment. I think one of the greatest uh, ways to break down arrogance of money is to enjoy what you have. Come on, think about that for a minute. When we enjoy what we have, we are humbled. When we enjoy what we have, we are grateful. There's some people right now, you're like, oh man, my friends, uh, man, my friend is able to go to the Caribbean and I can only afford to go to the shoe swap. Then enjoy the shoe swap. Man, man, I got this friend. They're able to go to all the nicest restaurants. And I can only get the value menu at Wendy's. Come on, there's nothing wrong with a junior bacon cheese. Enjoy your frosty. Some oh man, there's those people that have they have a nice car, and I got an older car. Enjoy your older car. Enjoy your compass pass and the fact you didn't even need to worry about maintaining 
a car. Man, there's some people that they're looking at what they don't have. And that's what arrogance looks like. To say, well, easy for them to be happy. They've got a lot. But the Bible says here, let's not be arrogant. Let's not put our hope in wealth as if we had more, we'd feel better. Let's enjoy what we've got. Man, I only got three days off for my long weekend. Other people got four. Well, what are you going to do with your three? Man, I don't, you, you, you following what I'm saying? That when we enjoy what God has blessed us with, we break down, we cut down arrogance at its knees. We become the humble type of people who can enjoy what we have. And you know, I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said, wealth is not for the one who has a lot, but the one who enjoys what they have. The one who really enjoys what they have. The time they have, the energy they have, they give, oh man, you know, easy for other people. They're more skilled painters than I am. Man, if you love to paint, paint. If you love to finger paint, just get your finger paint out there and enjoy it. Don't worry about what you don't have. Enjoy what you do have. It says this, command them to do good, and in that way they become rich in good deeds. I love it, it says this, to be generous and willing to share. Generous and willing to share. At the beginning of every month, as I see in Scripture, I, I return my tithes to the Lord. I see the principle in Scripture. I, I see God's desire to bless me in that obedience. And so I, I've done that my entire life, and I'll never stop. Now hear me. If you weren't here a couple weeks ago, you could go back and listen to the podcast. God blesses because of who he is. But then he also says, here's some specific ways that, that I want to bless you above and beyond. I want all of those ways, by the way. Then after, after my tithe, I also say I, I want to make room for generosity. My wife and I have some causes that we believe in and we give to. We, we give to Vivid Church. That's one of the, the main causes, even above and beyond our tithe. We say I want to be a part of what God is doing as he extends the kingdom. And so we, we make room for that. But then above and beyond that, the Bible says also be willing to share. Like be generous, but also be willing to share. Be generous, but also when the opportunity comes, don't be the one who's looking for someone else to take the check. I love my family. We, we enjoy feasting together. My grandfather, he, he taught me the art of trying to get the bill first when you go out for a, for a meal together. You just have to take a really important call halfway through the meal. Corner the waitress when no one, you know, eyesight, no one's watching and say, I, need, I want to pay this first. It's funny, I go out with a, with a, with a group of, of loved ones, friends, family, and it's like a mad race to see who can, who's got the most stealth moves to pay the check. Planning to be generous, but then also willing to share. How crazy it would be if there's people in our lives who have a need and we're like, guys, come on, like I'm giving to a project to dig a well somewhere else in the world. I can't help you right now. Somehow the Bible says this, be, be commanded that you and I would not only be generous, because that's right, but then also be willing to share. In this way, we lay up treasure in heaven and take hold of the life that is really life. Generosity is commanded. It's also commanded as we see in Scripture. And lastly, as the band returns, let me read this passage of Scripture. Generosity is the end of prosperity. Generosity, even as the title of this message was, is the end of prosperity. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 15, it says this, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I love the totality of these statements. Enriched in every way, generous in every occasion. 
And through us, your generosity results in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform not only supplies for the needs of the Lord's people, but also is overflowing in an expression of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel. For your generosity is sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing great gift of God. Verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Generosity is the end of prosperity. It doesn't bring it to a conclusion but it completes that cycle for which God intended you and I to walk in blessing. Blessed that we might be a blessing. I love it says you will be enriched in every way. In every way so that you can be a blessing in every occasion. What would it look like to be enriched in every way? Enriched with courage. That we might give encouragement on every occasion. Enriched with confidence that we might come alongside with a unoffendable spirit in every occasion be the bigger person enriched with peace that we might come into situations that are hostile and and bring a calm rather than accelerate enriched with finance that we might come along and say if that's your need don't even worry about it i got this enriched with perspective that in every occasion we might be those who are able to draw praise to god Enriched with, with relationships. Come on, how good would that be? Enriched in every way. Relationships. That on every occasion we say, man, you would fit in with my, like, you fit in this group. You belong here. Enriched with time. Come on, somebody. Enriched with rest. You got some people with me in the house today. Enriched with health. That you might be just really strictly this. If you're struggling with health, I believe God wants to enrich you with health so that on every occasion, you're not sitting worried about that health issue. You can walk forward in peace and confidence and take a hold of the day. Take a hold of the situation. Enriched with wisdom. Enriched with creativity. Enriched with opportunity. Enriched with giftedness. Enriched with every good thing so that we can be a blessing on every occasion. How good is the indescribable gift of God? You know, a couple months ago, about six months ago, we we uh, told our, our church at the time, we said, hey, we're going to do something. Our, one of our goals is to never stop starting. And so uh, in a couple months, we're going we're gonna to plant two churches on the same day. So we're going to go from one location to three locations. And I looked out at a group of people who, relative to the expanse of the city we lived in, would, would be considered impoverished. Really, truly, probably similar to the Macedonians, full of joy, but not full of finance. I say, like, like here's the thing. We don't have the money. We, uh, we don't have the people it'll take. We don't have any connections to a building or a location. We only have one set of speakers, so we're going to need to get more of those. Uh, but there's people who have a need, and, and I found myself even in prayer pleading with God, oh, God, include us. And so many people have needs, include us. Maybe we could be, be in on that. And so we appealed to a group of people, not much bigger than this gathering tonight, and, and said, here's what we're going to do in a couple months. And, and sure enough, over the next couple of months, as people contributed, I'll say this, nobody contributed in a way that I think they would feel was significant. Like, okay, I did this. You know, let me underwrite this. But a bunch of people contributed a little bit. I think that's a blessing, isn't it? Not that, that 
someone would contribute a lot, but that everyone would contribute something. And so a group of people came together to give. And and uh, on the same day, we launched two new locations here in Kitts and New West. Downtown really felt like it had a rebirth, brand new beginning. And, and in the last 11 weeks, 109 people have come to faith in Jesus at Vivid Church. 109 people have been rescued from darkness into light. And, uh, and I couldn't go, okay, say this prayer, oh, Jeff, yeah, Jeff, his, his salvation, his turning point was because of the $25 that Susan gave. Good job, Susan. That, that was you. You could never tabulate things that way. But somehow God uses generosity of a group of people to make a big difference. Earlier this week, as we were leaving our New West location, someone pulled my wife Jennifer aside and said, thank you so much for doing that. Like, this is changing my life. This is changing our whole family. This is changing, like our daughters have a different life now because of this. And this is a few weeks into being part of the church. Like, this is changing our world. I mean, that's pretty cool. When the generosity of people could affect the lives of people. Rich in every occasion, that we might be a blessing in every occasion. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.